You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. So, how is your work life, personal life balance? And where does your creativity come from? Well, today on Systematic Ecology, we are going to explore these questions through two very different TV shows. Welcome to Systematic Ecology. We are the priests to the geeks. And by priests to the geeks, we just mean that we are the mediators, the curators of the geek and the philosophical and theological. The, we try to explore what those things we geek out on and those larger questions that we all ask and wrestle with. And just to recap, Systematic Ecology has a plethora of diverse uh, hosts and fandoms and backgrounds who are all over this whole spectrum of Christianity and faith and belief. Some are more conservative and traditional and others are more progressive and liberal. And yet our vision and goal here at Systematic Ecology is to be a role model of how we can be one family and we are all invited to sit at one table to have these discussions around fandom and faith. Everybody geeks out on something and we're committed to curating and creating community and friendship rather than rivals and toxicity. So, boom, I know that was a long intro, but it's been a while since I've done the intro or taken host one here at Systematic Ecology. It's been a long summer, uh, but th this may be someone's first episode that they're listening to. So I wanted to let you know who we are and what we're up to. I am Will Rose, one of the co-hosts here at Systematic Ecology, and um, I'm pretty stoked about a special guest that we have today, someone that you have not heard on the airwaves of Systematic Ecology. And, uh, and, and so, Sari, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I and what do I do? So my name's Sari Martin Concepcion. Um, I am a longtime geek. And uh, if you had video, you'd see that there's a big tattoo of Spock on my right shoulder. So that's my... <laughs> street cred right there there you go so I have, <laughs> yeah um i have a few different identities let's i'm going to do it in terms of uh, three identities that are overlapping for sure um mm -hmm. i my day job is i work for a nonprofit that is um, invested in the academic sector it's called blueprint 1543 um you can do blueprint 1543.org if you want to learn more and that's invested in helping christians in um embrace the sciences and know how to integrate the science mm, sciences mm -hmm. as a way as a way of knowing and um, I help create content for that for that uh, organization I uh, make videos I make podcasts I curate classes to help um, people of Christian faith uh, dig into the sciences in an approachable way um, then um, I have um, uh, a side hustle I guess I don't know where 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 I put my um, the full extent of my weirdness is in more of a, my, my filmmaking. I do writing and directing. Um, I develop projects with my husband, who's also a filmmaker. Um, and together we call ourselves Secret Art Project. So there is a website nice. for that too, secretartproject.com. And then mm. the last part, which some people who listen might be interested in, is a partner with my friend Dan Koch, who's got a podcast called You Have Permission, that is centered around kind of the Christian deconstruction phenomenon and hashing through um, psychological and, and theological issues related to deconstruction. And together we made a website called 
So you're deconstructing.com. And so that's people who are sort of, (laughs) that's sort of related to people. um, Sorry, that's sort of curated for people who are sort of starting that process of questioning some of the assumptions and principles that they were raised with in Christianity and sort of a curated collection of resources to help people sort through that and navigate that. Um, so yeah, those are the three realms of my life right now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Dan's um, podcast I've shared before on on this podcast and, and others. Uh, you have permission is one of my favorite podcasts out there. I love what the the posture that Dan has in terms of navigating the big questions around Christianity and um, neurology and psychology and theology and politics. And I've even shared with him online that um, I've played the intro to his podcast. You have permission to my confirmation class to give them permission to ask the questions because often we are given bad answers to good questions. And so, (laughs) um, and that's kind of what we're trying to do here with Systematic Ecology too, is give people permission to geek out on things and to let people know that you can be a geek and a person of faith and those can overlap and you can be both. Those two things in your life, areas of life, can occupy the same room together with one another. You don't have to choose either or. Similar to my posture on faith and science, which the first time I met Sari was at a faith and science conference. Uh, our congregation got uh, a grant uh, to go deeper into faith and science, and she's one of the leaders in that that project. And and I uh, on on that conference, I like drug Sari and and others to this movie, uh, the Star Wars movie called Solo. And so that's right. I know you have a Spock tattoo on your arm, but is Solo still your favorite movie of all time? Is it still <laughs> stop, your favorite movie? Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I am admittedly not a huge Star Wars fan, but right, uh, right. but I'm we, not. <laughs> I don't need to foster the rivalry. It's there's no That's point right. to that. And uh, and like today, we're going to talk to talk about light and magic. And so mm-hmm. uh, I see Star Wars as having some some great strengths. I'm just more of a of a Star Trek person myself. That's right. We've had that conversation before, and that yeah, no reason to be rivals. We can be friends, occupy the same room, and have fun. Uh, it's fun, you know, like good sports rivalry. North Carolina, Duke, uh, pick your sports rivalry out there. You know, we all know that uh, we're human beings, but but yeah, those rivalries can get some <laughs> But yeah, glad yeah, you're here. I do think, then, though, I, I'll just yeah. say real quick, I think Star Trek is pretty, well, if you're like an OG fan like me, like you're, you're old yeah. school, one of the old school fans, <laughs> you tend to have like a pretty intellectual disposition. You know, it's like, let's go to outer space and just talk about some like ethical problems, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Whereas maybe that's like, I mean, definitely there's some very, you know, interesting ways of approaching those issues, ethical ideas, as was like Gene Roddenberry's whole, um, you know, thrust. And I think that's still being carried on in some of the series, but um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I think Star Wars actually maybe has some other strengths in terms of just, being imaginative and uh i don't know it feels like it's more from the gut than from the head i don't know maybe that's just right right there's a maybe spirituality. that's an overgeneralization there's this yeah there's a spirituality of star wars in terms of mysticism and the jedi and there's like a religion within it i think for me as a kid like it was lightsabers and and laser guns and ships going through hyperspace that attracted me to that and so when i tried to watch star wars after watching 
Star Trek after watching Star Wars. I was like, where are the lightsabers? Where Where's the lasers? I don't I know. They're just like talking. They're just talking like on these <laughs> cell phones. They're talking on cell phones and 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 <laughs> and using stun guns set to phase. And I was like, oh, man, why are we phasing people? But the uh, I, um, which I think that goes into we'll talk a little bit later, like magic, kind of like George Lucas's he wanted to do 2000 one space odyssey but faster because he loved fast cars and he mentions that in the documentary that we're yeah. going to talk about but but yeah there's room for all that and so i, I know sari's a um big star trek fan so when we go deeper i have heard from those fans of systemic ecology to say you talk about star wars a lot we need to do we need more star trek and we're going to go in that direction oh yeah when i was like when i had my kid i was like postpartum and just like laid up for a while you know after a c-section mm-hmm. and i pretty yeah. much watched all of deep space nine that was so I'm like have this weird bond to like Deep Space Nine, which was I was like, I need to revisit that. And boy did I ever, you know. So if anyone wants to do like a deep dive on like the old like series from the nineties, you know, I'm all about it. Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> well great. Well let's get to the opposite episode and the topic for today. Today we're discussing discussing two TV shows, as I said, are completely Completely different from one another, but I think they also go together. As Sarah and I were playing, planning this, we um we were talking about how these two shows could go together. And see, uh, one is is Severance, uh, a nine episode Apple Plus sci-fi series that's nominated for a ton of Emmys, and the other is Light and Magic, which is um, a documentary style TV streaming series, uh, six episodes I think on on Disney Plus. Uh, but we're going to talk about Severance first. Sari, what, how would you describe, if someone was like, I, I saw that Severance is nominated for a lot of Emmys and I have no idea what it's about, how would you describe it in a nutshell? It's going to be tough, but I, I believe it. It is, because it's a very novel concept, which is probably why it's got a lot of heat around it. But I, mm-hmm. I'd say the, uh, the main uh the the main theme of the show is about work life balance and taking that to this dystopian sci fi extent. So the people who work for the com- the corporation Lumen um, on this series have agreed to undergo a procedure where their memories are severed between their work life and their personal life. So they go through an elevator uh, down to their offices. And when that happens, the memories of the outside world disappear and you only have the memories of the inside world. So but what that actually does, what might not be clear from that explanation is this basically creates two different people, because if when you're in the office, you only have the memories of the office, um, you never get to leave. You feel like you get in an elevator and they get right back out in the elevator, out of the elevator, you know, day after day. And you never get that feeling of, oh, yes, I get to go home and hang out with my family or yes, it's the weekend. You only have the memories of the office. Um, and those people don't even know anything about their personal lives. I remember people, you know, the people out, the, the outies, as they're called, they call them any yeah. the outies. The outside mm-hmm. personas don't have memories of the office, so they don't know what they're doing in the office. They don't know who they know in the office. And uh, they just have perpetual, you know, home life and family life and personal life. And practice, yeah. I, which sounds perfect. great. <laughs> yeah, per- perfect. Because I think, you know, um, 
you know, there was a day when my dad, I know my dad didn't have to worry about, um, he worked at a bank, so he didn't have cell phones. Um, he didn't have emails to come home to. We didn't have a computer in the house. So he, he went to work at nine, clocked in, worked at the bank, answered phone calls and set up mortgages and um, people's bank accounts. And then came home after he went to the gym. We had dinner and, you know, we'd hang out as a family. He'd wake up and do it again. So there's this separation. But now in terms of our, our lives today, it's um, especially COVID, post-COVID, we have Zoom meetings. We're on our phones a lot. We're checking email. Um, my personal vocation as a pastor, there's a lot of like, where's the boundary of when I clock in and clock out as as a minister for our community and, and in the world? Um, but but this, this dystopian sci-fi show does create like, what if you could just separate totally your work life to your personal life? And people choose to go under this this program to put a chip in their brain to sever the, those memories. And there's even people out in the, you see there's people that are protesting. They're like, this is unethical. You shouldn't do it. Even though people chose to have um, this done to them. There's a great cast. You have Adam Scott who plays Mark. Um, mm. You have uh, Patricia Arquette, who's uh, kind of the boss and, and so other people. even, mm-hmm. even Christopher Walken is yeah. like a worker in, in this show. And, and so you see these, these people who work together, um, in the office. And, and like you said, they don't know what their out, outside personal lives are and they're okay with that, I guess, except for one, um, uh, Healy, Haley, what's her name? Helly. There you go. It's a play on her, words. Her, her, her name ends up being Helena. Yeah. Yeah. Helena, who it, it, the, the series just opens with her waking up um, and being freaked out that she doesn't In a conference remember. room, on a conference room table, yeah. On a conference room <laughs> table. And she, you know, there, there's some spoilers here. If you haven't watched this, go watch it. Hit pause and then come back. <laughs> uh, but, um, but, but yeah, as this, for me, watching this show, I've heard great things. And so my wife and I sat down and watched it. The first episode, first couple were pretty slow and, and dark-toned. And I was like, man, I kept falling asleep. This was the end of the day. And just the music methodic movement through this is like, I got to go back and watch. But as, as the series uh, progressed to get towards the end, I was just white knuckling my couch oh, yeah. because of what the tension that's being built between the Lumen uh, Corporation and their workers and those who choose to be in, those who don't, and the mystery of what is even does Lumen do? I still don't know. I watched the whole series. I don't know what they do. Um, yeah. Do you? Do we know yet? We don't. I don't think <laughs> we don't. Knows. That's why it got a lot of Emmys and they're going to go to a season two. That's <laughs> um, but what are some of the themes in there? I mean, um, you know, kind of work-life balance, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the systemic nature of corporations and how they exploit their workers or what they want to get out of their workers. Um, there, there's a lot of theme there. It talks about uh, work-life, the ethics behind that, you know, a, a short story like I I, I ran into a youth um, out in public uh, not that long ago, and I was with uh, a friend of mine who's not a member of our church, and the youth was like, whoa, Pastor saw me without my robe on, and they saw me like civilian clothes, jeans, and although I wear jeans and t-shirt most times at church, but they're like, they're, they saw me in public, they're like not in front of the church with my robe doing communion or preaching, like, Will, they're like, Pastor Will, you, ha- you have friends other than Jesus? And <laughs> I was like... Yeah. Yeah, I do. This is my friend. This is my friend. I do. I do have friends other than Jesus. And so, yeah, yeah, that that you wrestle with like, what is my identity attached to my job? And then what is my identity apart from that? Yes, their overlap is a part of my vocation, but 
but yeah, we all wrestle with work-life balance and where does that go? What are some of the themes there you Mm -hmm. see that this show really drew out for you? Yeah. I mean, obviously a good TV show will often take things to the extreme, right? So it's, they're, they're painting a clear picture of what we're talking about and Mm -hmm. the way that, you know, I'm really torn because I think that there is a lot of beauty in what's happened in the, in the pandemic times as people um, more often than not were working from home if they were working, if they were holding on to their jobs or at least part time. Mm -hmm. So just taking your, just take the human mind is formed by its environment. Right. And if you're, even if, whether you got laid off or you were just working from home, your imagination is then not sucked into the environment of work in the same way. And, um, and you start, you start to imagine like, oh, when I go into this role, I'm actually certain parts of who I am are oppressed. Either I'm not treated as a full human, like on the show, you have the example, they, they give the, the employees these little incentives. And because they are so in the work mindset, because, well, in the example of the show, that's the only memories they have. They, uh, you know, any little perk is like amazing. You know, it's like a little bit of like humanity, like, oh, here's a, a melon bar for y'all. And it's like all these like, like cantaloupe and honeydew and stuff. And, uh, yeah. and it's like, well, if you look at that with perspective, it's like, oh, that's kind of, um, you know, condescend- condescending, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like, here's your little melon party for doing a good job, you know, but maybe like, you know, the things you can see when you're out of the environment, you can see that a little more clearly for what it is. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I really love that, uh, that ability to sort of imagine your life differently, imagine your life apart from your job and do like sort of the self-reflection of who am I? Is there a, a way I could contribute to the world? Is there a vocational role that I could, um, that I could step into that's more in line with my values and who I actually am as a person and where I would not be, uh, you know, oppressed in these different ways or like be treated in this like dehumanizing way, like I'm a cog in a machine or something. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. At the same time, I, I want to yeah, acknowledge this is where the tension is too. I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. there's a level of privilege in that. Of course. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. aligning, mm-hmm. I think people who are able to, you know, make their vocation like really align with who they are and all their, you know, their strengths and stuff. Like, I think that is a really privileged space to be in. Probably more people could be in that space than think they can be. But obviously some people don't have as many options, you know, given the world that we live in and the systems and the education system and all. And does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I just came back from, uh, a concert with my family and we were leaving the hotel uh this morning and and i see the um the people who clean the rooms are are coming into the hotel first thing in the morning and and you know it's kind of like you know maybe that's something that they love to do want to do that's their passion but but in terms sometimes there's there's jobs that is like you know sometimes you're what you're passionate about and your gifts don't line up necessarily with what you work to pay the bills you got to do something just to pay the bills. And then outside of that job is where you find your energy and creativity to create or hobbies and sports or art and and music. And some people are able to allow those together, but, but yeah, like how does that line up? And, and I think, as you said, people seeing people as just machines 
uh, to a system or a means to an end for an overarching system that is there for a profit margin or to make uh, others rich. Like we still don't know what Lumen Corporation is all about. They're, they, the people that are in this little work building together, this group of four, are doing these tasks that they have no idea what they're doing. These menial tasks of just matching numbers are doing. It's like, what are they doing? What are they doing it for? And they have their own theories about what their job actually is. But but they've chosen to have this procedure because there's either an outside force that led them to that. The the main character, Adam Scott's character, Mark, um, has had the tragedy of his, his wife passed away. And so he's wrestling with grief. And so he wants to go into a space where he does not wrestle with grief anymore. He wants to go into a space where he does not remember his life. And so his any, the one who's working in the Lumen, has no idea what it's outside for, whether he's married, whether he has kids, or that he's in any kind of grief situation. When he goes home, he's he's drinking a half bottle of scotch or a bottle of scotch every night because he wants to drown away uh, this this overarching weight of grief of, of missing his wife. So he just wants a space that he can go into and not remember uh, the this part of his life. But then he has his sister and... And he's getting ready to become an uncle, and there's this mysterious neighbor who tends to who is also his boss uh, in the Lumen, you know, who's there to keep watch on him. So there's yeah. all these conspiracy theories. He had a partner um, who was a part of those things who left Lumen. His his any they just told him he left or quit or something. But then on the outside world, he's like, no, I'm Petey, and I have this tape of what's going on, and you need to beware. So there's this kind of overarching mystery and tension of of why they're doing or should they be doing it but but it does like all these good tv shows sci-fi dystopia apocalyptic literature or movies holds up a mirror to to reveal to us um you know what's going on in our own society and our own lives as we wrestle with uh work vocation identity um i do think um covid the pandemic has been apocalyptic in the sense that you know not like zombies and robots or aliens, but it's definitely hold up a mirror to like systemic failures within our society, whether it's healthcare, race, um, gender, um, how we treat our workers. There's this whole underlying thing of, of the great res- resonation of people saying, you know what, I'm not going to go back to those jobs. I don't want to do that anymore. There's more to life than that or, or a quiet quitting this happening. Even I see it in my congregation, people who did the the, the smaller task around church, whether it's altar guild or helping usher, they're like, you know what? I don't want to do that. I did that forever. I'm going to do something different. That's not feeding my soul. So I want to do something different. And um, so I, I think this show really lifts up this kind of age old question. What do I do in my work life? And what is my personal life? There, the whole book of Ecclesiastes wrestles with this existential mm-hmm. question of like, I toil all day and it's all for nothing. It's dust in the wind. Um, there, there's that kind of aspect to this this show as well. Yeah. That's why, I mean, just to zoom out for a second, I think like what you're doing with this show is really important, actually. It's not just like saying you have permission is like not quite, not the podcast, like, but you have permission (laughs) to be into like geeky stuff. I feel like that's almost not going far enough. Like, I feel like Mm. it's actually really good for you to dig into these like imaginary worlds and have your imagination expanded and challenged. And sort of, for me, it gives the... You know, like C.S. Lewis talks about when he read George MacDonald, when he read Mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis read George MacDonald, who was his favorite author, um, Fantasties, which is just a like a meandering journey through an enchanted forest. Um, (laughs) But uh, when C.S. Lewis read MacDonald, he he said that MacDonald baptized his imagination. Um, And and he said, 
reading about the enchanted forest made all real forests feel feel enchanted it's like the the enchantment that was in the book you know bled out into his life baptized his imagination and created this lens for seeing patterns and beauty and enchantment in the real world um and i i think that i think that's actually an important part of the being human and and uh, engaging with this type of imaginative art and i think it's actually really good for good for y'all as a human being as a human being one hundred percent, and and we've done a series on on C.S. Lewis, and one of our co-hosts, Joe, is a huge fan of Narnia, and working through the books and and the movies, and uh, makes me think of uh, writing down on the schedule and, the, and our topic Excel spreadsheet uh, George McDonald and diving into some of George McDonald's work, um, since yeah. that kind of sparked the imagination within uh, C.S. Lewis as well. Yeah, there's a, a a theologian named Justin Bailey who's I think got a podcast too. He's a huge George McDonald fan. And wrote a book called Reimagining Apologetics um, that mm. actually talks about how we need to reimagine. It's almost not about apologetics. It's like talking about how we need to pivot our our methodology in apologetics to being able to show our faith as something not just true but beautiful. And mm. uh, he argues that mm. from uh, from McDonald and and other sources as well. Um, but anyway, that's a, just a little sidebar. Yeah, that's good. Um, I, I love the sidebars and the tangents. And because as as deep as I am in geek culture and things, I, what I love about shows like this and bringing guests on is I'm always learning something new. Like I've never heard of that book. And you, know, <laughs> you reminded me of George McDonald about how foundational he was for CS Lewis. I've forgotten that, but, but knew it. Um, and, and so, yeah, like yeah. what sparks your imagination? There's, you know, there's those who are out there working who are nine to five, just punching the clock or doing uh you know swiping cards um at, at a cash register i mean that that's needed it's needed for society someone's got to do it and and maybe like i daydream sometimes of having a nine to five of clocking in and out that i'm not on 24 7 that i'm not always on call i would yeah. love to just like have wait tables um and then when i, I don't have to check email if i was a waiter yeah um, at a high-end restaurant i wouldn't have to check emails when i get home about the what the yeah. person thought of their meal that they got <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just they're done. I'll never see them again, you know that, or totally, or whatever. Totally. So, so so I daydream about about that. But but mm-hmm. I do think there's this overlap, and what Severance has done, not only the ethics of what we can do to manipulate brains and people and exploit people, or the mystery behind these these corporations, and shining a light on on capitalism and exploiting their workers, but but um, also leads us to think about you know, what gives us wholeness, what gives us joy, what. Where, what gifts do I have to make the world a better place and, and spark imagination and creativity in other people? And so your conversation about George McDowell leads us, nice segue, to the next show, which is completely different. Severance is very, is dark toned and it's low methodic music. And there's even parts you're like, man, they, like even how they shoot it is like dark and cold and snow everywhere. Well, Light and magic. Talk about bright and happy and <laughs> exciting. That this other show goes into the creativity process and mainly around George Lucas and Spielberg and the, these movie, these this special effects place that um, all our classic movies, whether it's Jurassic Park, Star Wars, ET, yeah. how they how they came up with that and the creative process of. of I was honestly. I was honestly shocked at how much I enjoyed this series, this docu series about like because I guess we talked about it. I'm not that much of a Star Wars fan, but 
you know, I fancy myself a filmmaker and I thought it'd be fun to see kind of behind the scenes, especially the cool like 60s and 70s where they're doing all this practical building creatures in the in the warehouse and van nuys and stuff and then it mm-hmm. becomes this movie that just made such an impact on people like literally around the entire world um it, it was really cool and yeah i mean i think the biggest contrast is like the people who are being interviewed seem like folks who bring in their whole self to work they're they're artists they're technicians and they are in love with the work that they do. And it yeah. seems like they were given so much permission to experiment and explore and like dream bigger about so many times when someone said it's, this is impossible. And, um, and one thing that we loved was there was a few examples of them talking about George Lucas as a boss and he <laughs> comes in, he sees what they're doing and he says, can we do this? Uh, you know, some other idea. And they're like, no, that's impossible because of this. There's no way. And he would Mm. say, just think about it a little bit. And there's a few times where he did that. And they'd be like, okay, but it's impossible, you know? But then the fact that he was like, just think about it, like put the the seed in their head. And like one guy was like, yeah, 15 minutes later, I thought of a a way to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I mean, I feel like a lot of bosses would be like, We'll figure it out, you know. Like you, you have all these like you have these bosses. If you don't forward. figure it out, you're fired by tomorrow. Yeah, like, exactly. Go home, it's like pack well, your bags. Just think about it. Like it's just a suggestion, you know. Uh, and so many, and like every time they figure out a way. Um, and <laughs> it sort of reminds me of like, oh gosh, I can't remember. There, the there was the the man who broke the record of like r- ran a mile in under a minute or, or something no he sprinted oh. do you know what i'm talking yeah, about yeah, yeah. there was like this yeah. some record that everyone thought oh no one can run this distance in this amount of time but then once the guy did it a bunch of people did it after that because it yeah, like yeah one after made, another yep. it made people think oh this is possible which is so incredible when you think about what's possible for human beings it's almost like once you once you actually believe something's possible or you're shown that it's possible, you can do it, which is so incredible. But anyway, that's a little off topic. Um, but yeah, I no, think that, 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 that was the beauty, to, beauty of the show. Yeah. And it goes back to what we're talking about, the George McDonald quote of C.S. Lewis looking at a forest through a different lens. You know, it's like this opened up a whole new way to see the world. And, and when you see other people do something inspiring, it pushes you to do the same thing. And so, yeah, George Lucas as a boss of a corporation, a little different than um, <laughs> what we see in Severance in terms of equipping, empowering, challenging, not because you're you're going to afraid that it's going to change the system or we got to keep what we do under wraps, but we're going to open up the world to help others see the world through uh, an, a, an incredible way. And, and, and George, even part of this was also, he wrestled with the, the theaters or the, the, um, the corporate world that wanted him to do movies a certain way. You see, yeah. he's like, Nope, I, I want to do it my oh, way. Yeah. And so I'm going to, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm just going to do it all on my own budget. Star he Wars started an effects company so that he could make the effects he wanted to see, which exactly. is so amazing and innovative, you know? Um, through this series, I also didn't realize, I think I'd heard it, but didn't understand it till I watched this to, with my own eyes, is like how close George Lucas was with Spielberg and like Ford Francis Coppola. Uh, you know, they're making these movies and hanging out together, roommates. They were, went to college together, and now yeah. they're emerging and making these movies that, that stand the test of time of like changing 
how we see the world. Like there's sometimes I'm such a Star Wars fan that like if someone gives me a date, um, they're like, oh yeah, 1954. I go do the math in my head. And it's like, that was how many years before New Hope in 1977? <laughs> like it's, it's like there's before Christ, after Christ, before New Hope and after New Hope. Like, cause, Cause I'd like to think about the world before Star Wars, what they did and movies or imagination. Of course you had Flash Gordon, Buck Rod, you had sci-fi. But the way that Star Wars changed how you do cinema and summer blockbuster movies and special effects just changed everything. Uh, and and so this this particular documentary, as you watch it, uh, look at the gleam in their eye, the creativity, um, how they are inspired and being pushed to go. Now, again, George Lucas and himself have you know he he's gone. He went through a marriage, a divorce. He it's hard to separate his personal life from his work life. I don't. It's that's all the thing. Yeah. A lot of these guys must, um, like lived there, right? Like they don't have a personal yeah. life. guys and they don't have a personal gals. life. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, there mm-hmm. was and then there's a woman, the woman later on who tells the story about how she left a marriage basically. She left her she left right. her husband in the UK cuz he didn't want to move, which what's up with that? But she's like, "Well, this is my dream job, so I'm going to go." And eventually yeah. they like split up, but um yeah, that does seem <laughs> Seem and I I had a first career working in the entertainment industry. I worked from the time for like twelve years, twelve or thirteen years. I worked uh, first as a PA and then different production roles, and then I ended up at a management company managing rock bands and also uh, Rob Zombie, who's a filmmaker. And yeah. we managed his music career and we produced his films and it was an incredible experience. But there's a culture in, if you want to work in that industry, that there is no, there's no boundaries. There's, you are going to be available on the weekends because if you're not, someone else will be because they're so, because aren't you lucky to work in the entertainment industry? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's part of the reason right. I stepped out and now I work for a nonprofit in the academic world because it's like, I actually can have a life. Like when I started working in, in academia, I got a job at Fuller Seminary after I went there. Um, I uh, I would get off at five and or, and it would be like, it would be like five on the nose. And like, I'd be the last one. I'd be like looking around like, where is everybody? <laughs> you know? And it was like, people are like, okay, workday's done going home. You know, whereas when I was working in entertainment, like technically I'd get off at seven, but oftentimes I'd stay at the office till eight. And then sometimes there'd be a concert I had to attend uh, to like check out a new band or something or an event mm-hmm. or something. It's like, okay, that's my whole day, right? Everything's, that's it. That's your life. So that's why I left, you know? Man. And then um, it is problematic. It is problematic. It didn't take, and eventually like when I left, I left in sort of a crisis state because I felt there were parts of me that, and I'm not, I mean, it's partially the culture as well. It's partially my own psychological problem of of having to be super helpful to everyone all the time um (laughs) but uh but yeah i left in sort of a crisis state because there was parts of me that were so suppressed for so long that i was like i don't know i'm just gonna quit i saved up a little money i'm just gonna quit and i'm gonna go to seminary and see if like god can help me figure out who i am again um Mm. yeah so 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 that that's a really live question for me i i think that sorry if i'm rambling I, I'll no, this, this is all great stuff I'll just, that's what these I'll shows just, do is lead us down these roads but i think it, that's why we're talking about it <laughs> yeah yeah um i the last thing i'll say is like i think that 
Well, I hope that, and obviously like in our world, in our capitalist <laughs> culture, money is power. And, um, but I hope that we will see a wake up call of like the employers that are going to be the most successful are the ones that are going to treat their employees as full human beings, whatever mm. that means, you know, and I, I recently have a couple of siblings who are working, working in restaurants and everyone's like, okay, yeah, working for a restaurant, it's just, it sucks. It almost always just sucks. And I was like, right. are there things that restaurant managers, owners could do to make it a great place to work at? What would that be like for you? Some of them said actually having real break times. <laughs> One of them was like, if I had a nap time, that would be awesome. Like if they had like a nap room, like they say they have a, yes. well, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> She's like, uh -huh. that would be, and so like needing rest is part of being human, right? And then my one mother said, if I was given the opportunity to creatively like contribute to the menu sometimes, then like I could express myself in the work that we do. He works at a sushi restaurant. And he's like, oh, if I had the ability, if I was like asked about a special that I could like come up with an idea for how to make something that would be on the menu, that would make me feel you know, like I'm able to bring myself into my work, you know, so stuff like that, like rest and self-expression and creativity. These are things that are part of being human and that people need to feel like they can, they have access to in their, in their work. It makes it more, makes work more sustainable. Anyway. Yeah. Oh man, there's so much there. And, and yeah, we could, I think the, a whole series on like work culture and identity mm -hmm. and um, what you put your whole self into and then what you get out of it. I think, I'm on uh, my church is on the doorstep of uh, University of North Carolina, our campus ministry. Uh, we're working with students who are are studying. They, they what do you want to be when you grow up? Is the question. <laughs> what do you want to do when you get out of college? How do you want to work? How do you want to pay the bills? You want to go to med school? Are you passionate about biology? Are you passionate about um, whatever and or music, arts? Um, but trying to help them see. I think Martin Luther talked about this theology of a vocation, uh, voco, uh, the, the Latin word for calling. What is your calling in life, your vocation? Uh, not just something to pay the bills. What is your vocation that you're called, you feel called to um, and and what will where your gifts can match up with the needs of the world? And and sometimes it could be a, a job you clock in and clock out nine to five, go home. But, but again, I think in our society with emails and, and uh, social media, and, and there's a blurred line of when the workday stops and personal life um, stops or starts, and and how do you manage that to get manage that so that you do have friends and family and spend time with one another and not always uh, seven. So I think these shows lift up kind of the work culture in the church is a, is is not safe from from those questions as well in a sense that. You know, in terms of clergy burnout over COVID, uh, a lot of colleagues in, in my world, and I know others, just said, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. The polarization and, and politics and, and managing people's anxieties is, is just got too much. I said, I, I'm going to lose my life, literally. I'm going to die if I keep doing this and, and yeah. move on. Um, and so I think that's important. Even in severance, they have, they have these things called wellness checks where you, they go in, it's like a soothing meditative talk you through counseling. And then there's a break room where it's really like, almost like a confessional booth where you have to like confess what you did wrong and break you. Uh, they're going to break you so you don't do it again. And, and while it seems like these are helpful tools to make an effective business, yeah. do what it's supposed to do, it's, it's punishing and breaking down people, making them less yeah. human. That um, the show really emphasizes sort of like the uh, 
the corporate propaganda that is sort of using this the psychological tools of like religious rituals to mm-hmm. keep people engaged in their work um which you see in corporate settings a lot even not so corporate settings like entrepreneur culture too like the you create sort of a religious <laughs> excitement around the the mm-hmm. company mission and you think that's the way that's going to keep people engaged and feet and loyal like create a sense of loyalty mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh but ultimately cracks start to show which was why um I thought the film also worked as a good analogy for when people are deconstructing their faith, because a lot of times, like you mentioned earlier, bad answers to good questions. um, That's what they're experiencing at Lumen at work. They're being told like, this is the highest call on your life is the work you're doing right here, right now. But then these cracks start to show like, wait, this doesn't make sense. And actually I'm being treated pretty poorly here. And mm-hmm, that, and mm-hmm. then, um, yeah. And, and I wanted to bring up, that's why when, um, they accidentally leave the, um, the management of the, of the severed floor who they're not severed. They accidentally leave out this like crappy self-help book, which is just like yeah. the very, the most mm-hmm. like stereotypical kind of self-help <laughs> advice. It's like, it's probably the funniest part. It's one of the funniest parts yep. of the series. It is. But they find the book, these severed employees, and they start reading it in like bathroom stalls secretly. And it's mm-hmm. breaking their thinking open because they're just getting the most basic. They've never read a book outside of a, the company manual. So it's just putting all sorts of cracks in the in in their uh, in their assumptions about the way their world is, which is only at work, you know, so. Anyway, yeah. I don't know if you want to comment on that or. Oh yeah, yeah. The pillars that hold up um, are are starting to shake. The foundations start to shake um, because they're getting some insight from outside, and the whole thing of being severed so you can manipulate them to be all in for this um, company. But but we we they start to get outside influences of what life could be out beyond this, and what their lives could possibly be like. What I have kids? What I'm married? I have. What right. could this be? Um, you. It, it, Maybe I, I don't need to be separate from my other person. The curiosity of who my other person is outweighs any kind of propaganda that the, the company is going to lay on you, why, why it's so important for them to be there. Right. And there's that such that important moment where um, the... This, oh, is that Dylan? Dylan, yes. And that yeah. actor is just so good. Zach. Zach. Uh, Zach Cherry. Zach Cherry. Zach yeah. Cherry. Yeah, Zach Cherry. He's really great. Um, he has a, he's through something that's too long to explain in here, but he, he's able to have his, any is able to have a, maybe a one or two second encounter with his Audi's son, which is with his actual son. Yeah. And that uh-huh. is enough to destroy his commitment to Lumen. He, yep. you know, in one of the most joyful scenes when they actually have a, they get to have a dance party because they achieve a goal. And it's just yeah. captivating. Like they're all dancing and the the lights change and they're having a great time for once, you know, but <laughs> Dylan can't Dylan, who usually loves the perks, lives for the perks. He can't get the image of his son's face out of his head and he can't enjoy right. it. And he ends up a- attacking Milchik, who's played by. Yeah, yeah that, that's such a powerful scene. 
Yeah, all good stuff. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it, it caused you to reflect on, um, yeah, vocation. Uh, uh, how am I a whole person, not just a work, someone who works and then someone who goes home? You know, I, I, I incorporate, it's like the danger of the single story. So people see me as just a pastor, but you know what? I'm, I'm also um, a husband. I'm also a dad. I'm also someone who loves Star Wars. I love surfing. I, um, you know, all, all, I love a good. That's good gotta be so hard, here. Will. I mean, I don't envy. <laughs> yeah, all these pets. I don't envy that because there's this cultural. People have an image of like a pastor in their head that you have to deal with too. Like you sort of have mm-hmm. that kind of those that expectations. those expectations to deal with, as well as like you. So you you don't even just have your own stuff of like my own. Like how do I play this role? But then you have other people's perceptions that are so thick. Uh, I don't envy envy pastors. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it is it's hard, and that's many why yeah. a lot in the COVID it kind of heightened that reality to like you know just the, the highest level of of those expectations and what people expect of you. So that's why a lot of my you know good amount of, of colleagues you know quit or said I'm yeah. done or left the ministry altogether. Um, I'm in a pretty healthy situation here at my church now, and uh, where we are in university setting, I think there's a lot of understanding of of education and sabbaticals and navigating the big questions that give me a lot of energy and creativity allow me allow room to be myself they know that when a hurricane's coming down the coast i'm going to go chase waves they just know that's what i am they know i do geeky stuff and read comic books and podcast about it and do panels at comic-con on on top of preaching on sunday and helping navigate people's and shepherd people's spiritual lives and and giving them permission to ask questions. Um, so it's a good, it's a good thing, but it's not, not all of my colleagues have that freedom. Um, and if I didn't have that freedom, I couldn't be in that space. Like if I've learned to become more comfortable in my own skin, if, if I'm not allowed to be that way or be myself and that's in the space of, of being a pastor, then I'm going to find another place to do it. Uh, yeah, some people can't they have student loans or, or they feel obligated to go to stay at a church because they can't move. I mean, again, I, I say that from a place of privilege, um, you know, of, of aged white male who, who has that privilege of being able to stay some, some or move. Um, others, others don't. So that's, that's kind of hard. Well, in terms of creativity, Sarah, where do you get, where do you find your creativity? What inspires you? And I know it's not, you know, Again, we could speak a whole episode on creativity, but but what are some of the things that inspire you to keep doing what you do in terms of filmmaking or or being a mom yeah. or um, working where you're working now? Where, where do you find that source of creativity when you start when the well starts getting dry? Um. So, where do I approach that question? Okay. So, so mental health has been a real strong focus in the last six months over the pandemic. I, like a lot of people, mm-hmm. struggling with depression and also I moved from Los Angeles to Portland Oregon so not a ton of relational connections and that's been slow to sort of like you can even go anywhere for a while you know so it was like hard yeah I have to say so all health and creativity I feel like are really connected and Mm -hmm. I have been I guess so all that to say uh the last several months uh a meditation practice has been a huge part of my life um and if i don't get to it all day i'll do it right before bed a lot of times i do it during a lunch break um so a meditation practice practice to slow me down and work on my mindfulness like flex that muscle so that i could just be Mm -hmm. more present in general and and acknowledging my own thoughts it's been pretty transformational um so yeah that's great yeah um 
I also, yeah, so this is, I guess I'll, it's a little bit of a shameless plug. It's on my website too, but I am, I've been developing a short film that I hope to develop eventually into a feature, Lord willing. But the short film concept is about uh, a woman who's a winemaker. And that was inspired by the culture here in Portland. There's actually a huge winemaking community. And I was learning a lot about fermentation processes and how interesting that was. So the logline for my film is, it's a sci-fi film. It's a winemaker with a cosmic, with a cosmic secret uh, must uh-huh. finish the year's vintage before her enemies catch up with her. Um, Dude, I so- love that. <laughs> Can't wait. It's, it's a good logline, right? So the cosmic yeah. secret might be about her identity. She might not be from around here. Um, so I'm really excited about that project. I'm really inspired by the idea and I've been developing and world building and soon I'm going to be fundraising. So if you type in winemakermovie.com, it takes you to a page on my website where people can sign up for updates. Once I start, um, actually producing film, I'll do a crowdfunding campaign and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I y'all will support that. Uh, oh, winemaker. Thank you. Movie.com is going to yep. move to my Kickstarter top list. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the campaign isn't live yet, but it will be very soon. Yeah. Or maybe by the time this is out, it might even be done. So we're working well, on it. If you ever um, need a role of a of a past a dystopian pastor struggling <laughs> with identity and wanting to be a Do you have an acting bug, Will? Do you, were what? you in the theater? Do you no, I, 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 I've done a few commercials and been up in front of people a few times. Oh, uh, I, feel like, I feel like I could have a role if you want me to put a clerical call on and be a, be a minister in your movie. Just, just make it the pitch now. I love it. I love it. I'll keep it in mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, and then after the baby goes to bed, Steve and I like to watch movies. We try to watch a, like a broad range of movies. I'm mm-hmm. going to just say a few of the last few movies I watched. Annihilation. Been in pretty, in, pretty mm-hmm. into some Alex Garland stuff lately, though I haven't watched yeah. Men yet. And then there's on Hulu, there's a movie called Prey, P-R-E-Y. Yeah. Have you heard about that? The, it's it a is, new Predator uh, It's thing. in the Predator universe. Yeah. Oh, it's my on gosh. My it's a mm-hmm. lot of fun. I, I highly recommend it. We watched Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser. Also sci-fi, super okay. fun. <laughs> okay. And it follows, which is a horror film um, about a sex sexually transmitted curse. That's an uh, actually a beautiful film. So uh, that's all please. in the last two weeks. We watched those movies, a, pr- a pretty diverse, broad spectrum of movies to keep the creative juices flowing. <laughs> hey, all that's good. Like I'll I'll share the same. Like in terms of creativity, I I um I discover yoga and we'll do that to have the time to breathe, meditate, flexibility, the blood flowing, um, and exercising, but, but also like in order to be able to preach or be, feel that creative flex, the creative muscle of preaching and crafting a a sermon each week, I will listen to other sermons or read other books or it, we watch like you watching other movies to be inspired to what you could do within your own movie, watch and see what other people do in that creative process of orating a story around a narrative inspire me and so again i got into comic books because it was something separate from like theological philosophical world because this was going to be my hobby at the end of the day i was going to read a comic book not uh-huh. get too heavy in the big questions but i soon discovered these comic books and stories and graphic novels are wrestling with the same things that we're doing in within the walls of the church so that inspires me as well so um yeah good, it's super good for good your brain stuff. too to like 
get like pick up a new hobby or like go learn about something totally different for a while like they I know psychologists always say like that's really good for your brain especially as you get older I'm not saying you're getting older Will (laughs) but we're all getting older week and a half 50 yes happy birthday and you're an empty nester oh my god oh my gosh it's so (laughs) things are changing new new hobbies around you're gonna have some space for new hobbies yeah yeah there you go um yeah well we you know you've already talked about we'll get to the end of the show the wrap-up time um you made some recommendations of those that you're kind of staying plugged into and the movies and, yeah. and the movies um one one recommendation i'll i'll make it has nothing to do with sci-fi or comic books uh, but my family discovered the show the durells which is uh masterpiece theater bbc and it's this family a single mom uh in the 1930s moves from england to a greek isle and uh greek island to kind of get back on their feet and it is so charming and it's a comedy, but they're still wrestling with like kind of fish out of water, fish out of water, cultural, um, you know, challenges of their English. But they're in a, on a Greek island and uh, all her kids are in different stages in their life. And she's trying to figure out how to keep them together and mm-hmm. not kill themselves. Out. And, and it's just a very awesome, charming uh, story and TV show. Three seasons in and we've all caught up. And so even though I'm empty nester, technology be able to FaceTime and watch it all together at night uh, before we get to bed, which is kind of kind of the Durrells. You said the Durrells. What's it yeah. on? What platform? It's um we watch on Amazon Prime, but it's a okay. masterpiece theater BBC. That's uh, show. right. Okay. Very British. Okay. Very British. Um, <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. Uh, lots of wisdom in there. Lots of things to listen to and and hang our hats on, but also continue this process of thinking through work culture, identity, vocation. Um, it's in those things we geek out on. So check out Severance, check out uh, Light and Magic, and then let us know what you think. Um, uh, go to our website. We have at systematicology.org. You can uh, find our, the host there and those who are involved, but also you can shoot us a message about what you think about um, those shows or if there's anything that that we didn't talk about you want to share we're also on social media you can let us know what you think about that and um sari where can people find you you said you said you're thank you so much for having me will yeah uh secretartproject.com um i think would probably be the main way and uh, so you're deconstructing.com if you're deconstructing (laughs) that's right and then you need some resources um yeah and then blueprint1543.org is the um the organization I work with. If you're into um, faith and real science, not sci-fi. There you go. There you go. Science stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll make another plug. Um, Sari and I are going to hang out at Theology Beer Camp in October. Oh, heck yeah. And there's a ton of podcasts. That's My church is actually hosting this um, through Trip Fuller and Homebrew Christianity, theologybeercamp.com, I think, think, or .net. Anyway, Search theology it's beer. The, camp it's theologybeer.camp, I believe. Oh, I think that's it's like there a it funny is. URL. Yeah, one of those theologybeer.camp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trip hunts all those. All those. He always finds the cool awesome. URLs. Yeah, that's right. But a ton of <laughs> podcasters, mainly in the kind of the progressive realm of Christianity and and politics, and uh, but also a place where a lot of people are going to podcast. We're going to have a Thor podcast. We're going to have a Bible podcast. We're going to have. Uh, all kind. Dan's going to be here with you have permission so I'm um, really excited about that and if you want to sign up or have questions about what that's all about 
uh, message me. I'd be happy to talk to you, DM me, and I'll let you know what's happening. I'd love to see you in Chapel Hill and attend you that. So everyone, thanks for listening. We know there are a lot of options out there for podcasts and streaming. So it's not lost on us that you took the time to listen to this episode all the way to the end. So thank you. And remember, share the faith, share the This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.